1: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Franco-Nevada Corporation Q2 2021 results conference call. This call is being recorded today, August 12, 2021, and at this time, all lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question-and-answer session, and if any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. I would now like to turn the conference over to your host, Bonavit Tech. Please go ahead.
2: Thank you, Michelle. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today to discuss Franco Nevada's second quarter 2021 results. Accompanying this call is a presentation available on our website at franco-nevada.com, where you will also find our full financial results. Paul Brink, president and CEO of Franco Nevada, will provide some introductory remarks, followed by Sandeep Rana, CFO of Franco Nevada, who will provide a brief review of our results. This will be followed by a Q&A period. Our full executive team is available to answer any questions. We would like to remind participants that some of today's commentary may contain forward-looking information, and we refer you to a detailed cautionary note on slide two of this presentation. I will now turn the call over to Paul Brink, President and CEO of Franco-Nevada.
3: Thanks, Bonavie. Good morning, and thanks for joining our call. We're delighted to announce a record second quarter that builds on the momentum from our first quarter. Records for the quarter include geo-sold revenues, adjusted EBITDA, and adjusted net income. We also continue to operate at near record margins. In Q2, we received our first payment under the newly acquired Vile Iron ore Ventures, the ongoing ramp-up at Cobre Panama and higher deliveries from our Guadalupe stream were the other main drivers for the increase in geo salt. For the second half of 2021, we expect our portfolio to continue its strong performance, but expect lower deliveries and revenues from TASYEST as it recovers from the mill fire and Hemlo with less production on our royalty ground. We're raising the lower end of our geo-guidance uh, for the year based on the strong performance of our mining assets here to date and with the recovery in oil and gas prices, uh, energy revenues for the quarter were well again ahead of our guidance run rate. And as a result, we've made a meaningful increase to our energy revenue guidance for the year. A the theme for this reporting season has been cost inflation, labor, materials, and energy. This is the stage in the cycle where our business model rarely distinguishes itself. Our revenue-based royalties and streams aren't impacted by cost inflation. We operate with small headcount and low g a Commodity price increases flow directly to our bottom line. In fact, we have leveraged inflation as energy and steel prices increase. We benefit through our portfolio of energy and iron ore royalties. Turning to our growth outlook, we expected 2021 to be a strong growth year, driven mostly by increasing contribution from Cobra Panama. We've added to that growth with three new acquisitions Totaling 850 million this year, Haynesville, Condestable, and Valley debentures. The timing of the Haynesville addition is looking for tutors with strong natural gas prices. Condestable offers immediate precious metal cash flow and long-term upside, and the Valley interests add to our base of low-risk, long-life cash flow and also increase our asset diversity. With the additions, the portfolio remains more than 80% precious metal focused. We're guiding to 25% growth in the business over five years from our 2020 level with both organic mine expansions and new mines as the growth drivers. Cobra Panama, Detour, Stillwater and Tazias all being expanded over the period. Kirkland Lake Gold graciously hosted our board to a visit to the Detour Lake mine this week. We came away very impressed with their team, the optimizations that are driving the output expansion and the potential for the ore body to become far bigger over time. As a first step, we expect you'll see a meaningful increase to the resource based on the drilling that they're doing this year. In terms of new gold mines, Goldfields reports that Solaris Norte construction is on track, and we expect the development of Hard Rock, Valentine Lake, and Stipnite Gold to follow. With an impressive PFS recently published, Skinner Resources' SK Creek is likely the next in the development timeline. Continued strong copper prices bode well for our pipeline of long-term copper development projects, Alpala, Takatak, and Nueva Union, amongst others. One of the larger long-term options in our portfolio are our royalties on the Ring of Fire Chrome and Eagle Nickel deposits. The agreed acquisition by BHP of Noron resources is a big step to making development of those deposits a reality. In summary, Frank continues to deliver with record financial results built-in growth, and tremendous long-term optionality. We are cash positive, once again have no debt, have $1.4 billion in available capital, and are generating operating cash flow at a rate close to a billion dollars per year. We're focused on precious metal acquisitions, and we see a good pipeline of opportunities.
4: Sandy, over to you. Thanks, Paul. Good morning, everyone. The financial results for Q2 2021 continue to showcase the strength of Franco-Nevada's portfolio. Our royalty and stream assets, both mining and energy, continue to perform well, either in line or ahead of expectations. As Paul mentioned, the company achieved many financial records for second quarter, with geo-sold, revenue, adjusted EBITDA, and adjusted net income all reaching new highs. As you turn to slide three of the presentation, we have highlighted the gold and gold equivalent ounces sold for the three and six months ended June 30th, 2021 and 2020. Overall, GEO sold increased significantly over prior year as operations that were impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 are now back to normal operations. For the quarter, GEO sold of 166,856 was 60% higher than prior year. For the quarter, we had strong performance from a number of key assets. Main contributors were Cobre Panama, Guadalupe, Antipacay, and Antamina, all of which produced ahead of expectations. Also, the company recorded its first geo sold from the recent Valley Royalty purchase. The company accrued $28 million in revenue or 15,493 geo sold. This represented six months of revenue from January 1st to June 30th, 2021. The actual Royalty premium payment will be declared on September 30th, at which time we will true up the amount we have accrued. As a result of recording six months of revenue for the Valley Royalty, our precious metals revenue was, it was 75% for the quarter. We do expect to be back above 80% in third quarter. One asset which did underperform for the quarter was Hemlo. We recorded less Geo sold as the NPI amount was lower than expected. A combination of less mining on our Royalty lands, along with higher operating costs, resulted in 70% less GOs being recorded during the quarter compared to prior year. We did expect the NPI to decrease as the year progressed, but the Q2 payment is lower than expected. Slide four highlights our total revenue and adjusted EBITDA amounts for the three and six months ended June 30th, 2020 and 2021. As you can see from the bar charts, revenue and adjusted EBITDA has increased significantly year over year. The $347.1 million in revenue in the quarter is a record, as is the adjusted EBITDA of $290 million. A margin of 83.5% was achieved. Gold and silver revenue increased from $156.8 million in Q2 2020 to $239.9 million in Q2 2021 a 53% increase. The increase was due to an increase in gold and silver ounces sold, combined with an increase in commodity prices. The Second quarter also saw a strong contribution from the energy assets, as revenue increased from 14.6 million a year ago to 47.3 million this quarter. The increase was due to the recovery in energy prices, as in Q2 2020, we saw record low WTI prices. We also benefited from the recent Hainesville acquisition, which contributed $7.2 million in revenue during the quarter. As you turn to slide 5, you'll see the key financial results for the company. As mentioned, the increase in revenue and adjusted EBITDA was due predominantly to the increase in geosold and an increase in commodity prices, both precious metals and energy. On the cost side, cost of sales was higher at $47.3 million versus $28 million a year ago. The increase was due to more stream ounces being delivered, 109,000 versus 64,000 in Q2 2020. Depreciation was also higher quarter over quarter due to the increase in geo sold, a large portion being from higher depletion stream assets. As well, the company recorded the first depletion associated with the valet royalty. Adjusted net income and adjusted net income per share increased significantly in second quarter 2021 adjusted uh, net income was $182.6 million, or $0.96 cents per share, increases of approximately 100% for both over prior year. Franco Nevada is both a royalty and a streaming company. Slide 6 breaks down the mix between streams and a royalty revenue for second quarter of 2021. The streams that Franco Nevada has added have been very successful for the company adding significant top-line growth they have become the largest component of our revenue, generating $199.5 million, or 57% of revenue during the quarter. However, it is royalties, whether mining or energy, which generate higher margin and thus cash flow from operations. As you can see, the costs related to royalties are minimal, with a combined cost of $3.1 million, related to the $147.6 million in revenue generated by royalties. We believe our diversified business model of both stream and royalty assets will allow us to achieve, continue to achieve peer-leading EBITDA margins. With respect to margins, the chart on slide 7 illustrates how the margin for the company increases as the gold price increases. Our mining cost structure, which we reflect in our cash cost per ounce, includes our cost of sales, less costs associated with the energy business, which are minimal. Cash cost per ounce usually ranges between $250 to $300 per geo sold. In a rising gold price environment, we expect to benefit fully as the cost per ounce should not increase significantly. In fact, back in Q2 2019, the gold price averaged $13.10 per ounce and our cash cost per ounce was $238. The average gold price is now 18.16 dollars per ounce, having increased almost 40%, while the cash cost per ounce increased marginally. Strong margins is one of the strengths of our diverse portfolio. The other cash component of the company besides the cost of sales is our corporate administration costs. Our board and management are very proud of our focus on cost management. We like to stress the strength of our business model and the scalability. The chart on slide eight clearly illustrates our focus on being as cost efficient as possible in managing this business. Here we have highlighted our quarterly revenues and our quarterly general, general and administrative expenses since our IPO. Since 2008, our revenues have grown from approximately 25 million to almost 350 million this quarter. This while our GNA has remained fairly stable over this time period. Q2 2021 corporate administration, including stock compensation expense was 3% of revenue. Management believes we can continue to add to our portfolio and grow our business without adding significant overhead to the company. Slide nine highlights the diversification of the portfolio, which we consider one of the strengths and differentiators of Franco-Nevada. As shown, 86% of our Q2 2021 revenue was generated by mining assets. The geographic revenue profile has revenue being sourced 92% from the Americas, with South America being the largest at 34%. With respect to asset diversification, Cobre Panama was our largest revenue generator at 19% of total revenue for the quarter followed by Candelaria at 10%. No other single asset generated more than 10% of revenue. The last chart highlights our operator diversity. Our largest exposure to revenue being generated by any one operator is again 19%, which is first Quantum who, who operates in Panama. On slide 10, we have provided updated guidance for 2021. As you will recall, we had previously raised our geo-sold guidance to 580000 to 615000 with the acquisition of the Valley Royalty. With the strong performance for the first six months of 2021, we are increasing the bottom end of that range to 590000 So the new geo-sold guidance range is 590000 to 650000 For the second half of 2021, we expect to continue to benefit from the ramp up at Cobre Panama and strong production from Antamina. Also, with continued strong iron ore prices, the Valley Royalty should perform well. However, we do expect lower revenue for the Hamlo MPI as the operator mines less on our MPI lands. As you saw, the Q2 2021 Hamlo revenue was significantly lower than prior periods. For Muscle White, one of our other MPIs, we do not expect to record any revenue until 2022 as the calculation is still in a deficit position. And we do not forecast any revenue from TASIUS in the second half as it recovers from the mill fire that occurred during Q2. For Gold Quarry and Gold Strike, we did record revenue in the first six months of 2021 that related to prior periods. thus revenue from both is forecast to be slightly lower in the second half of 2021. For the energy business, we're pleased to raise our revenue guidance significantly to 155 to 170 million from the previous 115 to $135 million. This increase in guidance is due to strong rebound in energy prices we've seen this year. We've assumed $60 a barrel WTI and $2.75 MCF natural gas for the remainder of 2021. As of today, as seen on slide 11, with respect to available capital on hand, the company has liquidity of $1.4 billion. We did fund the Valley royalty acquisition of $538 million with a combination of cash on hand and $150 million draw on our credit facility during second quarter. That drawdown has been fully repaid and the company is again debt free. With that I will turn it over to Michelle, happy to take any questions.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question please press the star followed by the one on your touchstone phone. If you wish to withdraw your question, please press the star followed by the two. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment, please, for your first question. Your first question comes from Greg Brines, TD Securities. Please go ahead.
5: Thank you, that's Greg Barnes. Um, Sandy, just on the um, Vale accrual of 24 million, I think it was, or 28 million. That's a bit lower than I was expecting. We were closer to 40 million. Are there some uh, lags or pricing adjustments that go into this, and how should we model it going forward?
6: Hi, Greg, it's it's Ian here. Uh, Yes, Uh, I guess a couple things. uh, First to keep in mind is uh, the payments are originating from the northern system, which has a fair bit of seasonality uh, in the first half. Um, you know, historically, it's been somewhere around 45% of sales occur in the first half versus 55 in the second half, just looking at uh, historical numbers. Uh, this year, that's probably uh, exacerbated a little bit by the fire at the northern system port. Uh, so we've made a conservative estimate, estimate there in terms of uh, what actually got sold in the first half. Uh, so that, that's probably the most uh, salient point there. And then secondarily, um, you know, there are some deductions for transportation. Uh, and so uh, with the rising oil price, we've made a, a provision for that as well. Uh, and then finally, yes, uh, given the volatility and run up in prices, uh, Volley uses a number of different uh, pricing conventions. We've made a uh, provision uh, for that as well to account for the, uh, the likely lag um, We'll get the uh, actual determination at the end of September uh, and from there uh, should be able to uh, make any any true-up that is necessary to the, uh, the 28 million um, hopefully that's helpful if you have any specific questions uh, we mm-hmm. can follow up uh, directly on those.
0: okay no that, that is helpful and
5: in terms of the pricing, you said there was some lags. How how does that work?
6: Uh, it's just the contracting for the sales of iron ore. Uh, I think they're contracted not just spot, uh, but uh, both with provisional pricing and historical or you know earlier pricing determining sales. Okay. Uh, so prior periods pricing will apply uh, to some of the sales that occurred uh, in the okay. uh, in the first half, which will bring down the realized price.
7: Is there any rule of thumb we
0: can use on that Ian?
6: Uh, Volley does provide uh, some disclosure uh, as to you know the the various pricing uh, systems that it's using. Um, I don't have an exact number uh, for you, but um, uh, we can uh, we can follow up on that.
1: Okay, okay, that's great. That's it for me. Thank you. Your next question comes from Josh Wolfson of RBC. Please go ahead.
8: Thank you. Um, just another question on the guidance. Um, for the energy division, just wanted to confirm uh, it does not include any potential uh, top-up payments. Uh, is, is that correct?
9: Uh, thanks, Josh. It's Jason here. Um, what exactly are you referring to when you, when you mentioned top-up payments? Maybe you could just clarify the question. You know,
8: the, 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 the catch up payments you historically have reported that I, I think historically have not been included in, in, your, in your guidance. I'm not sure what the terminology is. You guys, historically,
9: if you sorry about that. Yeah, I guess I think probably what you're referring to is sort of prior period uh, adjustments, which sometimes uh, impact our, our financials. For the forecast that we've provided, uh, what we've done is we've taken the the actual uh, revenue on our financial statements for the first half of the year, which which does include some prior period adjustments, Uh, but the back half of the year, that forecast is based just on the production that we expect to receive um, for the next six months and uh, the commodity prices that we've provided, so there aren't any sort of uh, one-time catch-up payments in, in the rest of the forecast.
8: Okay. Is it fair to say that the prior period adjustments tend to increase, in, you know, in a rising price environment? Uh,
9: somewhat, yes. If we've if we've accrued, um, you know, a lower revenue than uh, we actually received due to higher commodity prices, you can see some prior period adjustments. Oftentimes, though, those prior period adjustments are related to new wells that come online uh, that we haven't budgeted for. We have very little visibility into um, you know, future wells that are drilled on our lands because there are you know, many operators uh, drilling those wells. So they, when they come on unexpectedly, what, what happens is we get a, an adjustment um, that we have to make retroactively. Uh, so those are you know, hard to know when they're gonna come through. Uh, but That is the, the major driver behind those prior period adjustments. Although you're right, uh, in a rising commodity price em- environment, uh, if we've accrued a lower revenue, uh, you can't see uh, an adjustment or a true up. Okay,
8: thank you. And on the on the gold side of the business, for guidance um, on Hemlo, um, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the prior guidance earlier this year was that you know we were expected to see this transition. I think more so in the second half of the year. Um, uh, you know, ignoring, I guess, the impact of, of the margin component for the NPI, uh, should we assume that the uh, portion of the mine that, that I guess Barrick is on now is, is going to reflect what, what the second quarter type of uh, volumes would be attributable to, to Franco would be going forward?
4: Yeah, Josh, and that, that's our best estimate. You know, we're looking at second quarter. It was lower than we expected and sooner um, with the. The, uh, the lower amount. So going forward, I think it's safe to say that's what we're expecting. As, as we know, with the MPI, um, it can change quarter by quarter depending on how costs go and, and where they mine. But you know, they publicly stated that they're they're trying to find other areas to mine at Hemlo. So um, I think to be conservative, that's what I would estimate. Okay.
8: Thanks. And then. Um uh, maybe final question if if, uh, if if the team or members are able to comment on this uh, going back to the uh, the detour lake uh, visit uh, I'm curious to know any thoughts on you know what the potential opportunity uh, would be to volumes to to franco with uh, you know with the new mine plan there of coming in and new resource if if there's anything that can be kind of commented
3: on Josh, I, I think i just reiterate some some of the stuff that Kirkland Lake has been saying. As you know, they had put out a uh, new mine plan. Uh, there are a couple of things there. The next step is, uh, with the drilling this year, they expect to put out a, a new resource on the back of that, uh, but are also doing work once they know what that new resource looks like on, on how they can improve on that expanded mine plan. And a few years out, there is a dip in the production. One of the main aims is how do they fill in that dip in the production, and and it sounds like they have some good ideas of how they can do that. Great. Those are all my
8: questions. Thank you very much. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.
1: Your next question comes from Brian MacArthur of Raymond James. Please go ahead. Good morning.
5: Sorry, my question goes back to the Valley true up as well. Um, so, are we true up all six months going forward? I mean, I get it, there's lags of three to six, three to four, five months in contracts. Um, but as we have a rise in price here, have we, in a sort of way, you booked, you know what Q1 is and we're just trueing up Q2 volumes, or is it a total true up over the six months and then my second part of the question then is on that part if the iron ore price rolls over have we provisionally priced stuff at potentially the peak at six months we'll actually have you know lower prices going forward because we'll have the original contract stuff which is moving forward but then we'll have provisional pricing stuff on the q 2 end quarters going down can you, can you give any guidance because like greg said i i'm surprised that it was only 28 million this quarter
4: yeah, so, so Brian, yeah, as, as Ian highlighted, we, we were a little conservative on that. Uh, in terms of the true-up, you know, they're going to declare what that dividend premium payment is on September 30th. That'll be, you know, the royalty rate times the revenue that they achieved for, the, for that six-month period. And depending upon what that is, we will then adjust accordingly. Um, as for the iron ore price rolling over, um, you know, at the end of the day, We'll look at what their vol- volumes are for, for Q3 and make our best estimate on what we think their average price sales will be and book that amount. I think the reality here is there's going to be adjustments every quarter. Um, it's, not, it's not exactly an MPI, but just because of the way the calculation works with all the various components that, that are used to, to calculate the uh, the amount, um, you know, having true-ups every quarter, whether positive or
5: negative, I think is going to be the norm. More- and, and even though you only get paid every six months, you'll true it up every quarter going forward. Is, is yeah. that right, or we just kind of do it every six months when you actually know what you actually got? No, we'll do it every we'll do it every quarter. Perfect. Thank you very much. And my second question, um, just I, I, I noticed you changed the um, Sudbury um, stream payment, um, so it's sixty percent as opposed to eight hundred above a certain price. I think it was thirteen thirty-three. Just to be clear though, if the gold price were to go back down below 1333, does it go back to a hard floor of $800 or is that 60% a, a function all the way down as well? Yeah,
4: so, so if the gold price is between 800 to 1333, we're paying $800 an ounce. If it's above 1333, we pay 60% of the average spot price um, up to a maximum of 1200. And if the gold price is below 800, we just pay what the gold price is.
5: Great, thank you very much, Sandeep. That's very clear.
1: Your next question comes from Cosmo Chu,
0: CIBC. Please go ahead. Good morning, Paul, Sandeep, and team. And uh, thanks for taking my questions here. Maybe my first question is back to the um, energy guidance uh, for revenue. Uh, Good to see that you've increased it. Um, But I also noticed that, um, you know, you only increased the WTI uh, assumption by a little bit, $55 up to $60 a barrel. Um, So to confirm, I guess the increase in your revenue guidance is based on more than just a commodity price increase. I would imagine there's some uh, increase in drilling activity that's been factored in as well.
9: Uh, hi, Cosmos. It's, it's Jason here.
0: Uh, hi, Jason.
9: Uh, the you know the bulk of that increase really is commodity price related. Uh, as you mentioned, we we did the forecast at $60 WTI and, and $275 for gas. We're currently sitting uh, you know above that for both commodities. Um, but in terms of production, what we're assuming for the back end of the year is reasonably flat production across most of the assets. Uh, we do in our longer-term forecast that we provided earlier in the year. Uh, we do um, assume that there will be an increase in drilling over time over the course of the next several years. Um, but for the for the balance of 2021, we're assuming you know, sustained rates at reasonably current levels, uh, which would deliver a, a basically a flat or reasonably flat uh, volume production
0: profile. Mm-hmm. Great. I guess I guess my follow-up question on that, uh, Jason, is. You know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, assumption right now is $60 a barrel. Uh, We're sitting higher than that now. Um, Could you remind us, Dan, what's the sensitivity in terms of uh, your revenue to potentially higher uh, commodity prices compared to what you've assumed?
9: Yeah, Carlos, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe that uh, we provided that earlier on in the year. I I think off memory that – If we have a 10% increase across both oil and gas, that would result in somewhere around a 13% increase in uh, energy revenue. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. And Jason, I think you and I have talked about this in the past as well. You know, in terms of drilling activity, in terms of CapEx budgets for the energy companies, it gets updated, uh, I guess, maybe once a year. Uh, From what you're seeing right now, you know, are you expecting um, CapEx, or drilling activity as you mentioned to increase um, are you seeing that um, you know some of those green shoots coming out uh,
9: so far um, I guess if you rewind back to early 2020 when prices collapsed uh, at that point in time we actually took an impairment on some of our US assets uh, for the valuation around that impairment testing what we did is we assumed a rebound in drilling activity from what was at the time a a very, very low level. That rebound, uh, we assumed would take place over four or five years. Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
9: And we assumed it would rebound to around 70 to 80% of of the 2019 levels. What what we've seen so far is that uh, drilling rates have been rebounding uh, along the sort of trajectory that we'd assumed at the time. Uh, So, so far we haven't had to make any significant adjustments to our forecast. What we're, you know, the the jury is still out on uh, go-forward drilling rates. Um, U.S. oil companies and, and shale companies in particular have been uh, very disciplined in their capital uh, budgets, um, and they are signaling to shareholders that the focus is going to be on, you know, dividends and uh, returns to shareholders. Uh, so we'll see over the next couple of years, um, you know, what amount of capital gets to put towards drilling programs, and that will ultimately... Uh, you know, we'll have to update, I guess, our uh, our activity rate assumptions based on how it plays out over the next couple of years.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course. And maybe one last question on the energy patch here, um, you know, with the increase in energy prices, oil prices, are you seeing opportunities in the oil patch running dry? You no, know, no pun intended.
9: Uh, no, Cosmos, there's, there's plenty of opportunities. Um, in the oil and gas space, both in oil and in gas. Uh, the pace of opportunities have slowed down after prices collapsed uh, in early 2020, but there are a good amount of opportunities that are uh, available and actionable at this point. Um, given the, the amount of investment that we've done recently into energy and iron ore, uh, our focus though is on precious metals. Uh, and so despite the fact that there are opportunities available, we'll be very selective uh, about pursuing those oil and gas uh,
0: opportunities and and on that front, um, you know with the, the recent um, pressure on gold and precious metals prices, um, are you seeing better opportunities in terms of um, you know potential acquisitions in precious metals? Maybe that's a question for you and the poll.:
6: Sure. Hi Cosmos. On the gold side, I would say, yes, we're seeing a a pretty healthy pipeline uh, of primary gold projects kind of moving towards the development phase. And so uh, in that kind of medium-sized deal bracket, uh, there are uh, more opportunities of that type, I would say, overall, um, versus past quarters. Mm -hmm.
0: Great. And then then maybe one last question on the financial front. in terms of your dividend, um, as I work it out uh, right now, and I'm sure you know better than I do, the share price of Frank Nevada has done really well year to date. And so now you're sitting at about a dividend yield of 0.78%. I thought in the past you had always had a sort of unwritten target to uh, have at least a 1% dividend yield. Um, Paul, maybe could you maybe comment on that? Is that something that you still sort of target um, right now?
3: The Cosmos, uh, the uh, thanks for the question. Um, the, the most fundamental things, as we've always said, when our board looks at dividends is, is number one, they, they want to make sure that Franco that they, they never have to reduce the dividend, so that payout is always mm-hmm. going to be conservative. Uh, second is they're tremendously proud of the record they have of increasing the dividend every every year and, and so making it sustainable. So. Any discussion, those are the two main points. Uh, We do look at that yield as well and factors into that decision. Um, Mm -hmm. Typically, it's been at the start of each year that the board will consider the dividend level for the year, and uh, those are all the factors that will go into it when they think about the dividends uh, at the start of next year. Um, But in the current environment, uh, with the strong cash flow that the the company is generating, uh, I think there's lots lots of room to move on the dividend.
0: Of course. And then, Paul, since I have you here, maybe I'll ask you another question. You know, certainly as you brought it up, uh, I'm excited as well. Uh, BHP uh, potentially going to the ring of fire. I'm not as close to it. Uh, You know, I think the royalty ranges from one to three percent. And so could you remind us? Um, I think overall, most of it is two percent, but certain parts are three percent. Could you just remind us um, the percentages and the different areas? And, you know, Paul, I always like to ask you this question. Um, is this one royalty that will make the next Franco CEO look good? Or is it one that will make you look good? <laughs>
3: the, uh, uh, I, I don't know the answer to that question, Carlos. <laughs> uh, I, I, hope, I hope it's going to make both of us look good. All right, that's good. Um, and in terms of the the various deposits up there, as you know, there are a number of Chrome deposits. Um, and... Uh, the between them, the, we're a 3% on, on some and a 2% on others. Uh, I, I need to put out the asset handbook to give you the, uh, the names of, of which of which, but we, we do give the detail in there. Uh, and then also a, a 2% royalty on the uh, – sorry, a 1% royalty on the Eagle Nickel deposit, okay. um, which I think is the first deposit that will on. Great. Thanks again, uh, Paul
0: Sandeep ian and jason and those are all the questions i have thank you your
1: next question comes from mike chelonin bank of america please go ahead
10: oh morning paul sandeep ian and whoever else is in the franco room uh cosmo stole some of my thunder i was going to ask about the ring of fire but maybe i'll kind of ask it in a different way Uh, what would maybe the next year or two, Paul? What would be the plans for BHP? If you talk to them, uh, what are they planning to do? And I'll layer this with—I just saw some news. Uh, Trudeau is going to call a snap election for September 20th. It's uh, four. I'm uh, from Reuters. And a formal announcement that comes Sunday. Do you think uh, Ring of Fire will be uh, uh, something that will be discussed in the election? And uh, so thanks.
3: uh, Mike, I don't have a view directly from BHP yet. Uh, You know, I suspect in in the shorter term, no no change from the current plans. uh, As you're probably well aware, the first step is getting the road built up there, and uh, NORAD has already been working with the First Nations on the permitting of that road, and and the work has been getting the the First Nations to be the proponents to do the environmental assessment so that the road can get permitted. so uh, that work is in progress. I think once those permits are in place, I, I think that's the time then that you'll see more political activity around the funding of that road. Uh, Mike, I, I don't know, but my guess is it's probably a bit premature for the selection.
10: Okay. I guess uh, Franco needs a bulldozer to help that road along, I guess. <laughs> and uh, All right. Well, thank you, and good luck.
1: Your next question comes from Tyler Langton. JP Morgan, please go ahead.
7: Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um I guess just to start on, on the guidance, the GEO guidance for the year, the five ninety to six fifteen, and I know you, you talked about sort of being on the uh, the higher end of that range. I guess you know, through the first half you're I think around three sixteen. Um I guess you kinda of mentioned Hemlo, but are there any other just sort of just, you know, assets to look at in terms of you know, which is causing a slightly you know, sort of weaker second half, especially I guess you know, iron ore with a lag should probably be sort of better in, in the second half.
5: Yeah,
4: so uh, you know two in particular. One was gold quarry where we accrued or we booked about 4,500 geos in the first quarter that were related to 2020. Um, so we won't we won't have that in the second half of the year. And then Gold Strike, we, we booked uh, a number of uh, about $7 million in revenue related to prior periods in the first half of the year as well, which we won't have in the second, second half of the year. So those are two mines that were uh, where we had prior period adjustments um, that were booked in 2021 relating to 2020. Um, and then taziest we don't expect uh, any geos or revenue booked for taziest as they recover from the fire. at, at uh, In Mauritania, there with Kinross, so those are sort of the 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 adjustments that we've we've, uh, reflected in the guidance for the next six months.
7: Okay, that's helpful. And then just um, you know, with energy, I think the 2025 guidance for energy was sort of 150 to 170 million. So you're kind of there already this year, kind of with even and you know potentially higher this year with you know sort of current commodity prices. When we think about 2025. I mean, if current prices hold, you know, could that number be higher? I just, you know, any color on how to think about sort of that 2025, 2025 number versus versus this year's guide.
4: Yeah, and in all likelihood, if you did run higher prices, it, that that range will likely be higher. Uh, we put out our five-year guidance uh, when we do our annual guidance in March. So at that, that time, we'll be putting out five-year guidance for 2026.
7: Got it. All right, that's it for me. Thanks so much.
1: Your next question comes from Tanya Scotia Scotiabank. Please go ahead.
11: Great. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you very much for taking my uh, questions. I um, just wanted to follow up, and thank you, Sandy, for some of the clarity on the guidance for second half of the year. Can I just get a bit more guidance on gold quarry? Um, you mentioned that there was a little bit of a top-up of 4,000 ounces um, in the, and I think Q1. Are we expecting any contribution from Gold Quarry in the second half of the year?
4: Yeah, so it'll, it'll be about a thousand ounces. Tanya, our, our projection for the full year um, is just over uh, 5,000 ounces. Um, you know, it's based on a minimum, it's a, it's a calculation. In previous years, we were uh, booking 11,250 geos per year. Um, it's dropped, and then the, to, to half of that this year and then next year we're we're expecting 1350 going forward
11: That 1350 that's what we had I, I just seem to have uh, okay so no, that makes uh, sense thank you very much uh, for that and then uh, maybe just coming back to I, I, I know we talked a bit about the, the M&A and, and transactions that are out there and project financing on I think they said medium size deal bracket maybe can we just define the medium-sized deal bracket? Is it still within that 200 to 500 million range that we're talking about?
6: Hi, Tanya, Ed C in here. Yeah, I would say yeah, 100 to you know, 300 is more what I would define as mid-size uh, transactions at this stage. Um, that's more the kind of deal size that we're looking at in the pipeline at the moment, although there certainly are opportunities uh, on either side of that.
11: And maybe Sandy, just if I could come back to you and I know we've talked about this but I just want to come back to um, if if you can share your views on the global minimum tax proposal that's out there, whether and when you know you're expecting it and how this would impact you.
4: I'm sure, um, as you know it's it's gaining momentum. Um, I think there's 130 of the 139 OECD countries that have signed on to it. Um, so, you know, it, it's a question of, of when, it, when it does get implemented. How it's going to work, I think it's still too early to determine. Um, there's a lot of work that has to be done with treaties and, and, and in terms of the calculation. So we're, we're watching it closely. Um, you know, I think the one thing for Franco is that we do have a diversified corporate structure. So that, that global minimum tax would impact our, you know, international stream business, which is through Barbados. Um, but you know, it's it's not the, the the majority of our of our business. We've got royalties within Canada, United States, Australia, where we we pay you know taxes above the amount that they're talking about for the global minimum tax. So it's just something that we will watch and uh, adjust for uh, when the time comes.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 now. There are no further questions, so I will turn the conference back over to Bonavit Tech. Please go ahead.
2: Thank you, Michelle. We expect to release our Q3 2021 results after market close on November 3rd with a conference call held the following morning. Thank you for your
11: interest in franco Nevada.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes your conference for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.